Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy's Show and Tell. Uh, this is Tom, and as you all know, Show and Tell is the show where we like to bring on cool guests to talk about something cool that they are working on. And today's cool guest is none other than Hal Greenberg. And the cool thing that we're going to be talking about is a little bit different, which makes me even more excited to chat. And it is the RPG Creators Relief Fund. So uh, before we dive too deep in, Hal, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. I first want to preface this by saying, by the end of this experience, if you don't think I'm cool, I'm totally okay with that. You're selling me how cool I am. And I just want to just make sure that, you know, everyone's aware. I, I may not be as cool as that. I, I, I feel like I have to bring it down a little bit, you know? Well, that's why I bring people on to this because they may not think they're cool, but if I have one like drive in life, it is to be the biggest hype man ever. And so that's why I do the show. So. All right. Well, if I ever go in the MMA, you're my man. Yes. Oh, yes. All righty. Okay. Well, let's get going then. So how? Tell our listeners, because you've been around for a while in the RPG scene. So, but for anyone who may not know, who's Hal Greenberg? And, you know, we're going to go way back. And I don't want to know everything about everything that you've done necessarily, but how did RPGs get started for you? Well, I'm older. I'm 54. So I started with uh, basically first edition D&D when I was in middle school with a friend. And it was just two and then eventually three of us. And we played terribly. I mean, just, you know, he didn't know how to DM. I didn't really know how to play, but we had a blast and I loved it. And we ended up playing D&D and uh, a a few other games for a couple of years. And through high school, I played football and we played on Saturday mornings. But then on, you know, Sunday mornings, I would go play D&D. So I kind of did a little bit of both. So it was a lot of fun for me. Um, And I liked both of my groups of friends. And then, um, as I think a lot of people in college, some people learned gaming. I actually kind of got out of it and decided to drink heavily. And then uh, a couple years later, I got back into playing. And then third edition came around. And third edition was my fifth edition for you. It was yeah. my fi- it was my fire, and it re-energized me. So while I was playing for years after. Before then, we played a lot of second edition uh, with a bunch of friends. My friends had a band, and whenever they had an off night, we would play D&D and stuff. But um, it really kind of fueled me, and I started writing for some of the free online like websites at the time. And um, we started getting a bunch of really cool ideas and stuff together, and I was working on some stuff with a group of people. And we, d- we decided like, hey, you know, we could actually probably make some of this stuff. And a friend of mine and myself decided to create a gaming company called Thunderhead Games. And uh, we came out with uh, a decent amount of product enough to be at Gen Con for a couple of years and actually have a booth. And then we merged with a company called Mystic Eye Games. And we ran that, I co-ran that for a couple of years during the third edition in 3.5 boom. And I also was an art director for Bastion Press Games, which was run by uh, Jim Butler, uh, formerly who worked for uh, TSR and then worked for Wizard of the Coast and now currently works for Paizo. And I worked for him for a couple of years as an art director for some of his products. And and then once 3.5 kind of died out, I slowed down a little bit and and I stopped producing a lot of stuff and I did some freelancing 
and started doing some board games and art directing some board games with WizKids. And those are still around and out there and some are even still coming, you know, and did some more freelancing here and there and actually have some fiction out there as well. And we're actually going to bring some of that fiction into Pathfinder and some other series soon because I still have a company, although we're slow and steady and we're not bringing, we're mainly doing print on demand and stuff. So it's definitely more of a, not a business, but more of a fun kind of thing. And it's called Samurai Sheepdog. Kevin is pretty much the head of the RPG division and he's Kevin Glusing is his name. And he's a great guy and a really smart guy, but basically, so I've been on all sides. I've been the publisher and I've paid people. I've been a freelancer and barely got paid. And, um, you know, and I've made royalties and I've made flat rates and I've made commissions. So I understood all of that. And it was always part time for me. I've always had a full time job. I always joke that I've always had a full time job so I could afford to work my part time job. (laughs) Yes, because there's not not a lot of money in this industry and very few people can make it a living, you know, let alone a comfortable living. And that's kind of so I knew that before. And then. I would say it was, I always wonder how old we are. I think we're four or five years old, the charity. And basically what, yeah. what happened was at the time, Ernie Gygax, so Gary Gygax's son, somebody had a, a, an illness like earlier that month, if I remember correctly, and, and asked for donations and I donated. And then Ernie had like a, a, an apartment fire and lost a bunch of stuff and it was asking for help. And it was towards the end of the month. And I thought to myself, well, that's a shame because like mortgages are due at the end of the month or at the beginning of the month. So usually they use your last paycheck like I do to pay my mortgage. And I'm like, I said, that's a terrible thing that if somebody gets into a tragic situation, potentially during a bad period for people, they may actually get less money than if they, you know, came in at the sixth of the month and happen to get that first paycheck where people are paying bills and have a little extra money, you know, or whatnot. You know, I said, there's, you know, so then I posted, is there a charity out there or anyone who collects funds who would be available to then issue funds when people need it? So when I have money, I can send it to them and then they can just take care of it whenever something bad comes up. And a bunch of people said, no, but that's a great idea. And people were saying, oh, that's similar to, Uh, I think the comic book industry has like the hero initiative and stuff. And people were saying it's very similar to that. And I said, great, but is there one for specifically for RPGs, not for authors, not for comic book creators, but RPG people. And everyone's like, no. And then a couple of people are like, you should do one. And stupid me. I said, I don't know how, but sure, let's try. So I got together with a couple friends and very smart people and we started it. Um, like I said, it was about four or five years ago. And since then, we've had some board of director turnovers, which of course happens. Um, it's all voluntary, so, or, you know, yeah. we're all volunteers. So there's no pressure. Or there's no, you know, if you're getting too busy or physical illness or real life situations come up, we've had people who got into politics and had to back out. We've had people who, you know, haven't been feeling very good and just felt that they weren't going to be able to do what they should do so we've had turnover here or there but throughout the whole thing we've kept going and i'm happy to say that we have a decent amount of money that we can spend on people if they have problems and basically what the rcrf is it's the role-playing games creators relief fund and if you're a creator 
if you're a designer, if you're an artist, if you're a map creator. We just opened up the field to people who are um, in social media with companies. You can all apply if there's a tragedy and we list what a tragedy is. So not I got fired or I lost my job, but medical tragedy, COVID is a great example. Uh, you know, um, fires, earthquakes, natural disasters, deaths in the family. And, um, you know, it can pretty much be anyone in your household, too. It doesn't have to be yeah. the actual creator if the creator's wife is having a problem or spouse or a significant other or child. That's what we're here for is to help. And part of the reason why is because a lot of these people live literally paycheck by paycheck and they don't get paychecks like we do even and if you work someplace part-time fast food a bookstore or whatever you're kind of getting a steady paycheck that's not how freelancers work freelancers get paid by the word or by the piece or even royalties and they're very tiny and they get taxed and there's no insurance there's no backup there's no safety net there is nothing there's no 401 you know there you know nothing so these guys and and gals you know men and women are in a very tight ropeish situation where if one thing happens if one company's late with a paycheck you know or a royalty payment or if their medicine potentially goes up $20 a month that's they may have to make a decision. Am I going to eat over the weekend or am I going to buy these pills, you know, and stuff like that. And that's just a terrible situation to be in. And I didn't like it. So, and, and I wanted to thank the people who make the stuff that we love. So yeah. that all came up and that's really how, who the charity is for and, and really how the charity got created. And we have a board of directors and we have a board of applicants and then we have an advisory board and it's a mix of all different people in the industry. Like I said, from writers to artists, to publishers, some people who publish or work with publishers to uh, people who are even cartographers. Like I wanted to make sure we had a fairly healthy mix and match of everyone. So no one felt that their team wasn't getting at least a, an advocate for them. And basically if you apply to the charity, it's, it's anonymous. I take the, application i send it to the application committee and then the, the really it's me the application committee and the treasurer are the only ones who see it it's a very simple application that's right on our website i can't picture anyone taking more than five to eight minutes to fill it out and if we have any follow-up questions from the application panel i'm your i'm the point of contact and then they review it and they say yes here's how much we should give them and then if we have the money, we issue the funds. And usually it's within three or four days if you have PayPal. So that's the other great thing is if you're caught in a situation and it's a, oh, my God, this is happening now, um, rather than trying to get a GoFundMe started or something else started, which would be fine as well, we can actually get you. And we're not saying we can get you all the money you need, but if you need $800 and we can give you 350 or something or 400 or, or, you know, or maybe the 800, I don't know, you know, um, whatever they give you, it will be there within a couple of days. So it's also something that is quickly a quick turnaround. So that's another advantage of, of going through us. Um, and everyone's been really proactive and, uh, you know, and, and we love to hear the feedback and 
Uh, we've helped people from, uh, I believe we fixed an air conditioner with somebody in the house who had uh, a permanent breathing issue. And without the air conditioner, they can't open the windows because of allergies and sinuses and stuff coming in for the breathing issues. So they had to have, you know, better quality air, so to speak. Um, so it was one of those where that was a kind of a, 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 you know, an oh my God tragedy. So we assisted them with that to helping people. Uh, we recently had someone who had an issue in Louisiana because of the the hurricane, basically, or the tropical storm. Um, and we helped there. So like I said, we're, you know, and COVID, we've helped with a couple of people in that situation. Um, so we've been able to help to all different areas and all different kinds of people. And um, like I said, it's completely anonymous. And if the people want to speak up and say they got help, that's great. But we definitely don't push that um, or, or require that. Um, we want people to get the help first and foremost, rather than uh, get somebody to, you know, wave our flag for us that, you know, we, we, we know what our job is and our job is to help people. So that's what we're focused on. So let me, let me ask you yeah, this please. then. All right. So the, so you, you talk about this, there's, I mean, you're, you're an RPG creator. It's not, it's it, not everybody can, not everybody can make it and it's tough, but let me ask you this then. Why do you, why do you do this? And why do so many creators continue to do this what's the drive we love it we love the games we want to make the games we have great ideas we think would go along with a game sometimes people think they can do it better than other people and sometimes it might be true or they just feel that they might have a unique or an original viewpoint uh for me it's also kind of cathartic when i first did this i was going through a divorce and i probably would have gone insane if it wasn't for my focus on writing and creating and, and doing all this. And even in the long run, I probably lost money making games because of the cost of going to Gen Con and taking people to Gen Con. And overall, I probably put more money in than I actually got out. It paid for itself with my mental stability. So for me, it's a thank you, you know, to everybody. And it's cool to have people, read your stuff and even if they don't like it if they just read it it's cool and if they liked it that's even cooler but it was really fun to meet other creators which was a huge thrill for me you know i totally nerd out when i go to gen con you know as well as meeting people who liked my stuff and had great questions for me or you know are you going to come out with another thing or hey when you thought of this did you mean it like this or like this and i'm like i didn't even think of it like like people come up with other ideas and offshoots of what I come up with, you know? So I think it's just a fun, creative drive. And, um, and I think it's just something that you're like, I, I want to share this with people. I hope other people like it as much as I do. So then we kind of, you, you talked, you talked, you gave us this, this high level detail about the organization itself, but from the donation that you receive, could you, ex- so to, so somebody gives a donation mm-hmm. How is this then filtered out to a to a needy creator? Can you like can you break that process down for me? Sure, it's really easy. Um, at this point in time, nobody is on a payroll, so one hundred percent of everything we take in from somebody donating five dollars to somebody on uh, BG Now. Sometimes you can act, add us as a creator of 
a PDF you might have made if you're a creator and you want to help. You can add us as a creator, and then we make a little bit of money off of every product you sell. Some people will do 100% charity bundle, and for a limited time or this amount of dollars of every bundle will go right to us. Um, but all that money goes right into our funds, and then that's how we're able to issue the money so quickly is because we have the money from donations and from publishers who are donating and all that other good stuff. So basically it's extremely as simple as you'd think it is like your checking account. Um, you get your salary, which in our case would be donations. You get a bill, which in our case would be an application. We simply pay the application. Um, and um, luckily we're fortunate enough to have right now more, more money than we do applications. So we have money waiting for people. Now we're not, uh, for a couple of years in there, we were kind of neck and neck there where we were like, okay, we have 2000 up. Oh, we just spent 1500. We have, you know, but we've actually had a, a, a couple of good years and for some reason, not as many applicants, even with COVID. So we're, we've got money. You know, and, and I'm not saying we don't want more donations because you never know when something bad is going to hit, but we've got money. And so I'm also reaching out not just to people who want to donate or want to become a part of this, but I'm reaching out to creators if anyone's listening to. If you're in a situation that you think qualifies, go to the website and see if it does and apply. Like we're, yeah. I'm not just f fixing for or fishing for donations, I'm fishing for applicants. Um, you know, we can take both. And as long as we get both, we can keep going kind of thing. But that's really how it is. It's literally that simple. We have a bank account that's set up. It's a 401c. So it is tax deductible. We, all our stuff is legitimately signed, sealed, delivered. And we have a, a, a professional accountant who is our treasurer and fills out all the great forms and does all the magic for us. And uh, Connor's a great guy. We have a PR guy, uh, you know, and and, and, and and that's Robert, basically, who is really kind of a front man for social media and our presence, uh, you know, in all the circles who got us to meet each other. Mm -hmm. And he's a great guy. So we've kind of been going to other avenues now to broaden our reach, which is really what we want is we want more people just to know about us. If you haven't you can't donate, you know, put a link on your Facebook or Twitter to share, to let more people know, both, like I said, to donate and if they need money, you know, the more people who know about us, the more people we can help. Yeah. Robert Aducci uh, is, yeah, he reached out to us and said, hey, you all need to talk to Hal about this. And I couldn't agree more because I, like you said, I mean, you have, you have the funds, you're just, you need people to donate to, and you need obviously the more people to, to refill the coffers. So, I mean, it is, it's a, it's a cool organization. So, but for anybody who may not understand how a, a charitable organization works, then could you kind of talk about, yeah, cause you guys have a, a, a bo different boards and how do they interact then? And what is the, the level then of accountability there with running a charitable organization? I don't want to know about the accountability of running it because that would probably scare me and I'd resign. Yeah, <laughs> but um, as far as how they work, they work extremely independent of each other. Yeah, like I said, the when it's a, when we get an applicant in, the board of directors, except for well, really me and the treasurer, but I get the applicant I re, application, I review it to see if it qualifies, and then if it qualifies, I send it to the application board, and then if 
if it, if they pass it and want to give money out, then the treasurer gets the application, looks at the PayPal account or the mailing address and handles the issue of the funds. So the reason why we, I liked, I, I don't know if that's typical to be honest, but the reason why I wanted to separate them was I didn't necessarily want the people making the rules for the charity also be the people giving out money for the charity. I wanted those separate and vice versa. I didn't want the people who approved the funds to also be the people who approved our bylaws, our rules, any changes. So while anyone could give us advice or ideas, I didn't really want, I didn't want church and state mixing. Um, and I don't know yeah. if that's typical or not, but that's how I run it. So if like, for instance, when we brought on uh, the ability for people in, who are uh, social media people now, basically, um, to be part of the approval. The application panel people had nothing to do with that and did not make that decision. That was the board of directors. Now that it was passed and we added them as somebody who could qualify for the funds, now if those come in, the application panel will review it as a qualified applicant and take care of it. So, um, and if anybody on the panel knows somebody who applied they do basically withdraw to a certain extent or they'll mm -hmm. they you know hey i first want to tell you you know i i know this person and i know they're going through a lot so i would of course vote yes for this but i'm gonna abstain unless there's a tie to let people who don't know this person do this so everyone's very open and upfront because it is a fairly small niche group so the odds that somebody knows somebody is definitely a possibility or and i don't just mean through social media or hearing about them i mean i'm a friend of this person or i've worked with them on multiple projects you know so i don't really feel comfortable voting you know so that's really when people say you know hey full disclosure i've worked with this person so i'm gonna abstain for the moment and let you guys decide and then you know then if you need me i'll come back in at the end so it's very, very open and it's very comfortable. And we have some, I consider big names in the industry as far as on the application panel. And, uh, you know, the application panel uh, has um, Bruce Cordell, who works for Monty Cook Games. And I've known him for a while. And Wayne Reynolds, who does a lot of the awesome art for Paizo, uh, almost all their covers and then almost all their character development. So that's just two of the application panel, uh, the advisory board. Uh, I, I, Jim Butler from Paizo is on there. Like, I, and I think he's also a very good friend of mine. So I was able to take advantage of knowing a lot of the people, but they're not just industry people either. I, so, uh, I have one person on the application panel who's been somebody who worked with me at, at Mystic Eye Games and Thunderhead Games, and then kind of just stopped doing it. And he's done some personal stuff with me, but he's also a fellow gamer of mine. Cause I still game a couple times a month and he's a gamer of mine and I wanted somebody like that on the panel too. Yeah. You know, cause I, like I said, I wanted a little bit of everyone in there. So I wanted photographers, artists, uh, designers, you know, writers and somebody who's been in the industry, but also a fan and a gamer. So I, we, I brought in a bunch of different people to, because sometimes getting insight from different areas uh, help a lot, you know, um, and they're also from all over the world. So like Wayne Reynolds is from England. So there's times where he'll be like, I don't understand what that is, you know, or how bad Louisiana was hit. He didn't realize how bad 
hurricanes are kind of thing. And, and depending yeah. on where they hit, he goes, I'll be honest until you guys brought this up. I didn't even realize this happened. This is terrible. Yes. Let's help. <laughs> you know, um, you know, and vice versa. Sometimes if somebody says something else, we're like, we don't know what that means either. And some people are like, Oh, I know what that means. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of great having people from all over the world and uh, a bunch of people, uh, be able to give feedback and bounce ideas off of but it's i think it's fairly simple and it kind of if you want to almost say it runs kind of like a corporation you know like you mm-hmm. think it would so um you know you could think of it as a design team versus the editing team kind of thing you know where they work together but they work separately but together they make the product that's our product is the charity and that's how kind of all the different teams work and we don't really take advantage of the advisory board unless we are really just confuddled or have a true issue or concern or a real weird question or something that we just don't know how to answer it. So we might go to the, our advisory panel and go, Hey guys, we know we don't use you a lot, but does anyone know anything about this? Or does anyone know what this is? You know, and then we'll get some feedback from them. Very cool. So I need to ask you that. So obviously you shared a few of the stories, but what would you say is one of your, the one of your, because it is, it's it is fun to talk about how you you've you've helped people, and so how what is one of your favorite stories of a uh, opportunity that the RCRF has had to to help somebody? Um, well, it's so it's it's funny when people ask the the answers. I think almost whatever our most recent donor was, just because it's kind of fresh in my mind as far as that goes. Um, and we have done a, a, a lot of uh giving out. So it's kind of hard to, you know, your first one probably means a little bit more to you, but it's always usually the last one. And that's just because, like I said, it, it, the, the best part about the whole experience is when we get to approve somebody and I get the letter, a letter back and I'm able to copy and paste it to like the application panel um, and say, just so you guys know, we do make a difference here's the response I got from this person after I told them they were approved and for how much. Um, So I would actually say my favorite experiences are getting that return feedback after someone gets the help and then also sharing it with other people with, so they know that they also make a difference. Cause I think we all know we make a difference, but until you get that response back, I don't think it really hits you like, Oh my goodness. Like, this could really potentially change this person's life. You know, um, I will tell you my most frustrating experiences. Okay. It's when I have friends or, and I say friends in quotations, meaning Facebook friends um, who are in trouble and they ask for help. And I go into that post and say, take five minutes out of your time go here, fill out an application. We can help you. And they don't. Yeah. Yeah. That just kills me. And I have friends who people who I consider my friends who didn't. And some of them say they feel bad. Like they're like, I don't, I don't know if I'm the person you're really aiming for. I'm like, I wouldn't have offered if you weren't. And I don't vote if you get approved or not. So I have no problem sending you the link. That's the great thing about it. I get your application, make sure it qualifies, send it to the application panel, which I observe the voting to make sure it we have a majority and we have a majority on the amount. And if there's any issues or disagreements, but I don't influence it or add to it. I just watch it 
unless they have a question, then I either can answer it or I go back to that person and get an answer for them. And I don't put my personal opinion in it. I just answer it. So I don't feel bad about posting it. Like I, I, you know, I don't care if I know you, like other people probably know you too, but if you're in need, freaking get the help. We have it. And I would say I probably get a 20% response. So eight out of every 10 people I give a link to don't even fill out an application. And I know that because I'm the one who get the application. I get the application. So I'm not guessing. I'm telling you. And I'll tell you, if any of my friends are listening to this, I'm angry at you for not getting the help. I understand that it might be something that you're not comfortable with, but that's what we're here for. Like, that's literally all we're here for. If we love role-playing games, we love everything about them. And if this can help you be to write yourself and get yourself in a position where you can keep making them. It's a win-win. Yeah. That like, that's what it is. It's our love of the game. We want to make sure we're taking care of the people who, who might need that love because like I said, in reality, they don't get it financially and it sucks. And it's, it, and it's not just RPGs. That's what we specialize in, but it is freelancers in the comic industry and authors. I mean, I joke with my friends sometimes when I get my royalty statements for some of the things I've written and it's a six month or a yearly royalty statement. And I get a statement saying I earned 27 cents. Um, and I don't even, I haven't even hit the $5 threshold to get a check yet. You know, I, I you know, I probably spent, I, I don't know how many hours on that project, but it was a bunch and I earned pennies on the hour. And I know that we've all done it. And now I'm in a position where it doesn't affect me. It just frustrates me. And I'll even sometimes work for free if someone needs it. And it, it's a, it feels right or it's something small. Um, so I'm obviously that I'm not upset about. I chose to work for, you know, free or nothing. But on the ones where I'm like, it's a business proposition and it's a deal, I'd like to make something. But sometimes that's what royalties do to you. I'm not counting on those royalties to pay my rent or to buy me food or to buy me medicine. So I'm the person that I want. If anyone's going to get screwed on that, I'm okay with it being me. But when I know that some of these people do this full time, that's all they do. That's like, that makes me sad. You know, yeah, if I... they got a 27 cent royalty and they don't even hit the $5 threshold for a check and they've got an $800 rent payment coming up and they were expecting at least 40 or 50 bucks. Like I said, there might be a, they might have to make a decision. Do I buy medicine or do I buy food? Uh, it's we, it's a whole, I think it's a whole another conversation about how the RPG industry is. I mean, you know, you work directly in it, but it is, it, it, it definitely there's changes that need to be made in order to make it kinder towards the people who are making the stuff that we love. But I think that that's where I think you all kind of are helping bridge that gap, which is kind of awesome right now. So I think it's super cool. So I wanted to ask you then, uh, so where can, so obviously people do not be afraid to ask for help and fill out that application but uh, 
So how, where can folks like myself, we're, we're not creators. How can we help? Like, where can we go to, where can we go to donate and help? Sure. Well, first, one of the easiest ways to donate and help, and it's not even going to cost you a dime, is, I don't know if people even know this, but you can go to Amazon, and it's smile.amazon.com. And even if you don't pick our charity, you can pick a charity, and as long as you keep buying through smile.amazon, not Amazon, a percentage of all of your sales, except for like food, I think, um, will get bundled and go to a charity of your choice. And we're on there. So you could pick the RCRF um, on there and all you, at that point, all we want you to do is just buy stuff. Even if it ends up being $2 at the end of the year, it's two more dollars we got and it costs you nothing. And you got all the sour gummy bears you ever wanted and all those Paizo and, you know, and, and, and Watsy books and all, you know, Green Ronin and all those great books if you bought them through Amazon, you know, and all your coolest DVDs and all that stuff. So uh, that's the easiest way to do it is go to Amazon and go to smile.amazon and pick your favorite charity. If you don't have one, pick us, you know, or if you haven't even signed up for any charity, pick something. It's not our money. It's Amazon's, you know, go. Bezos is a billionaire. He's flying phallic-shaped rockets up in the air. Have us throw a couple bucks to charities here and there. Yes. You know, come on. It's worth it. That's the easiest way. And the, and if somebody says money is tight and I can't afford to, I get it. So spreading the word is another way to do it. And the best, one of the greatest ways to spread the word is you can um, find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. Um, we're at uh, on Twitter. We're at the RCRF Charity. On Facebook, we're at RCRF Charity. Uh, Friend us, join it, follow us, and then share it. You know, if you see a link or, you know, and and, and share it with other people. Uh, If you see someone in need, share it. If you know someone who has money, share it. Um, If you know somebody who's a publisher and always says, I wish I could donate or do a donation product, share it. you know, that's a great way to do it. And again, doesn't cost you anything. You can also go to drive through RPG and there's actually a pay what you want section where people are donating some work that they've done. That's pay what you want. You could give us as much money as you want for the product. You're getting something and the money goes directly to us. Um, so you can go to RPG or drive through RPG and do that. Um, if you want to donate directly through, uh, you know, our site, you can go to the rcrfcharity.org and there's a, the applications right on that site and a direct PayPal account is right on that site. If you just want to throw a couple bucks our way, that's fine too. Um, and you could also, if you're a creator, like I said, you can um, donate to the, through your drive through RPG or community content products. You can add us as a freelancer uh, for royalty donations and, um, I, I, we did send you some of those links. So I don't know if you yep. want to post those later for everyone. Some of them are long, but you can definitely post all those links and let people uh, have that ability. So it's really easy to find us. You can also find me on Facebook and friend me. And if you have a question or an issue or a concern, you can contact me directly. Um, I'm at the point now where I'm not using a lot of social media, but if I see a private message, I'll always respond. So, but definitely friend me first, just because then it pops up and shows me rather than hides it. So, um, and I'm at Hal Greenberg. I think I might be at the real Hal Greenberg on Facebook. I don't even know. Let me see real quick. Gotcha. 
the so I mean it's there's so many different ways that uh, people can help out, but uh, also what I don't I think you may have mentioned this, but I mean for anyone who who does care, uh, just also don't forget. I mean it is this is tax deductible too. Correct. We are so, we are a four hundred one k charity, so it is all above board. It is a hundred percent donations. No one's making a dime, um, and you it is tax deductible. So keep your PayPal receipt to us. Uh, you know, or proof that you sent us money, uh, all that good stuff. It's legit and we're legit. Yeah. Um, and I think we even post our yearly numbers on the site because at one point someone asked us, and I don't know if it's updated to last year because with the switch over of treasures and stuff, but it gives you a general idea where we're at. And yeah, if anyone needs to contact me directly, it's real R E A L and then Hal Greenberg, and it's right on Facebook, and you'll see my ugly mug and you can click it. There you go. Yeah, no, I was poking around on your all site. And yes, you are correct. You guys have all the you guys are do have your annual reports. So if anybody's kind of curious, you can go check those out there. It's, yeah, it's super we cool. didn't do it uh, for the first couple of years because I don't think we really knew we wanted to or should. And then some people asked some questions and seemed like they were kind of trolling us a little about, um, well, what's going on and what have you done? And, and we're like, well, we don't care here. So yeah. now I think yeah. we just put it up there as often as we can update it so people can see because we're not hiding anything. You know, here's what we've done. You know, and like I said, we have money. We're not hiding it from anyone either. We have money. Yep. If you need it, we've got it. So now's a great time to ask, you know. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, and like I said, it, the, the industry as a whole, and you kind of mentioned it earlier, um, and I don't want people to think that the publishers are the bad guy either. Um, because when I say that the pay is low and it's rough, um, the publishers don't make a lot of money either. I just want people to be aware. Um, so I don't want people to blame them. And, and the thing that actually bothers me the most, because I've been on the publisher side, I've been on the paid for hire side, I've been on all, and I'm a customer too. So the thing that people don't get is pirating stuff is a terrible business and it could potentially bankrupt the company that you love and the company that you are using your games from. So by doing stuff like that, I don't care how you're justifying it, you're stealing and and you're a jerk. Um, Also when people are selling their books for $60 for like a nice hardbound color book, and you think that's too much money. Also you're, you're deceived. And the reason why I'm saying that is because the amount of time hours and money it takes to make those books and how much time you're going to get out of that book. If you use it as uh, you know, as for your gaming, it's that $60 is nothing. People buy ga- computer games now that are 12 hours or 20 hours, and that's it for $70 and don't blink. So why would a hardcover book or a softcover book or a 50 or $60 gaming book that might be 300 pages, why is that too much if you're potentially going to use it for years? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you. I mean, I couldn't agree with you know, you think of it as your as your time invested per hour. It's the same as a lot of play, p- people play MMOs and they, you know, and you can justify the $15 or $12 a month. I mean, you could be pay- playing 100, 100 hours a month on it. Well, it, so it's really not 12 hours a month. It's, you know, 12 cents an hour, you know, or something minuscule, uh, you know, on the hourly scale. Think of that, you know, when you when you justify how you spend your, you know, your computer game money, your monthly MMO money, 
uh, all that stuff. That's the same way you should be looking at your role-playing game books is how much time you're getting out of those books. And, and also think of how much the time and effort and money has been put into those books. I mean, you know, the publisher has to pay for the paper, the shipment, the writers, the art directors, the editors, the content, you know, all that stuff has to be paid for. And that's part of the reason why people don't get paid a lot is because they know that if they sell it at a higher price point, that people are probably not going to buy it. So their numbers are going to be down. So if they sell it for less then obviously the people who make it have to get less. So it is a catch 22 customers can be, yeah. can be our greatest savior and can also be uh, the killer of a game yep. pirating a game or pirating a book or underpaying it or slamming a book because it's too much money and yet you used it for all this time i mean i've been playing in uh, a pathfinder campaign where we're now on our second or third uh oh, good lord I, i'm sorry paizo i can't remember the name of the giant one through 20 uh, like the super books, but like the mega adventures they have. Um, I know that my DM will probably, or GM will kill me, but um, you know, we, we're on our, like our, our third one of those. We've been playing for five years or so. I mean, and we play twice a month for four hours every other weekend, basically. Um, we have one campaign on Saturday and one on Sunday. And Sunday is our second edition Pathfinder. But what I'm trying to say is that first edition pathfinder core book i spent 60 bucks on i think i've been using it for at least eight hours a month for five years not to mention when i'm offline thumbing through it to level up and check my spells and do all that other stuff i mean talk about a a savings you know what i mean like that book you know like i said for the amount of time invested that thing's pennies you know, for versus sure. paying $20 for a movie, you watch it for an hour and a half and you may never watch it again. Yeah. You know, so, so people need to kind of keep that in mind when they, when they're looking at RPG games and when they're looking at their books and they're looking at how much stuff is and, you know, just kind of think about that and, you know, think about the people who are trying to make a living off it and, you know, and, and, and don't steal and, and don't complain about the prices when you think about the breakdown, um, you know, and I used to write a blog and talk a lot about, how much I didn't make um, just so people were kind of aware. And um, at one point in the, you know, during the third edition days, we had, uh, we had middlemen to get the games to the hobby stores. Um, we had distributors and I, and two distributors stole from us and we lost, I think between both almost $50,000. And that's pretty much why mystic guy games is no longer there is because the first time we took the hit, we sucked it up and we kept going. The second time we took the hit, our credit cards, you know, my partner's spouse, my visa account, we couldn't handle it anymore. And we said, we can't afford to keep losing money like this. And so we stopped and um, we didn't want to, but the the way it made it, we had to. And, um, or we would probably still be making, I mean, we were making two or three books a month back then. So, I mean, we were considered a, 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 you know, a true publisher with a regular print schedule. Um, and the, the publishing, the way it was made basically bankrupted us, you know, kind of thing. So, you know, it's not that, you know, people sometimes want to stop it's people sometimes have to stop. Um, but 
Um, I know that's a weird tangent I went on, but you know, I oh, just, it's, it's interesting. But, uh, yeah, to get I, these, and it's I think inter- people should know that, you know, and should have, they, you know, they need to kind of know the dirty truth behind, you know, kind of what happens to a certain extent. Um, because it's not all beautiful and pretty orcs and, oh, look at this cobalt. I want to pet it. You know, it's, you know, they're, you know, you've got to realize that some of these people are, uh, you know, are, are struggling. And, and these are the people that you either, you know, should be praising, and, but sometimes slamming on pu- in public, you know, on, on social media uh, for their work. But, you know, without them, you wouldn't have been playing all those hours and all those games and you wouldn't have had your, you know, your adventure pack and you would not have had your player class that you just got from this company, you know, and you wouldn't have Starfinder and fifth edition and all these other, you know, again, I mean, there's tons of great games out there for everyone. I mean, cyberpunk deadlands. I mean, there's so much out there and there's not just D 20 games. There's fate, you know, there's so much out there that somebody could find something that they enjoy playing. You know, there's diceless. So you got to give the people who make it a chance and stealing the games and slamming them for how much they're costing and stuff isn't necessarily the way to do it. And I'm not saying that every single time it's not, there's not some merit behind it, but just lighten up a little bit, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, the industry, it, it is, I mean, I think these are good stories. I think it kind of highlights just how tough, things really are. So I think, I mean, that's what you guys are doing. So I think really, I think if our listeners get anything out of this, I mean, just go, go check out uh, the RCRS website. I mean, go follow Hal on social media. Uh, If you know creators who uh, need some help, point them in this direction, you know? Yeah. And if they don't know if they qualify, like I said, have them send me a question or two, or you can even send me a question or two and say, Hey, I have a friend who's in the industry or, or I don't know if this is considered the industry and I'll walk you through it and say, I think that qualifies or we can try it. Have them, but just so you know, you can't fill out the application for them. The person who needs the money has to fill out the application. Yep. They have to be vetted, so. have to be verified. It's them. As much as I would love to have a mom do it for their kid, which has never happened, but more likely it's a friend doing it for someone else. We can't do that. We actually have the person who's in need because we may need <clears throat> some support and proof and stuff like that from them. And some of it's medical and that we, you know, and HIPAA and all that stuff. So we have to be very careful on how much we get and who gets that type of thing. Yes. So like any good RPG, this all comes down to communication. So Hal, thank you so much for uh, joining me tonight. And, you know, just kind of like I, like I was talking to you before we started recording, this is, this is kind of new to, this is kind of new to me. So it, I think it's good for, good for people to know that an organization like this is out there and willing to help those who need it. So well, thank you so much for no joining No problem. Us. That's what I'm here for. Spread the word. Don't be shy. Spread it to everyone. Absolutely. We will. So folks, thank you so much for uh, once again joining us. Uh, thank you, Hal, uh, once again for, for, for coming on and chatting. And then as always, folks, uh, go, check out, uh, go check out the RCRF. We'll include all those links in our show notes. And don't forget, If you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thank you, everyone.
Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.